In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the internationally acclaimed OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by KnowledgeVine, the leader in human performance improvement training and technologies. KnowledgeVine is committed to reducing the frequency and severity of workplace errors by helping organizations leverage technology to easily create a sustainable safety culture. KnowledgeVine, the evolution of human performance. Learn more at KnowledgeVine.com. Today, my guest on the show is Bill Walker. Bill, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Well, I've been trying to get you on for, I think, over a year now for several reasons. You are the uh, Senior Environment Health and Safety Leader at Battalion Resources. Is that right? That's correct. Battalion Oil Corporation. You've got as many letters behind your name as you do letters in your name. So you're a CIH and a CSP? That's correct. Correct. So CIH is a certified industrial hygienist. And industrial hygiene is focused on identifying those hazards associated with uh, long-term health implications from the workforce. So you're thinking benzene exposure, respiratory hazards, radiation, those things that might not affect you today, but it might manifest an injury or an illness at some point in the future. And then the certified safety professional certification deals with those risks and hazards that lead to injury today. You know, that's your fall protection and your hazardous energy control and those types of things that can injure a worker day one. Well, the other reason I wanted to have you on the show is you also received the 2020 Safety Professional of the Year. Tell us about that. I did. I was honored by the uh, American Society of Safety Professionals, Oil and Gas Practice Specialty, Oil, Gas, and Mining Practice Specialty Division. And it was largely in recognition of some volunteer work that I was doing with that organization, but also with the Safe Land Advisory Board which is a kind of a voluntary role that I've played for the last five years. And, you know, as we get into the podcast, I'd like to spend some time on their mission and, and the successes of that organization. That's great. We're going to come back to Safeland here in just a minute. Let me back up here, though. Tell me a little bit about Battalion. Sure. What do you guys do? So Battalion is a small ENP exploration production company focused in the U.S. unconventional space. So our efforts are focused right now on the Delaware Basin, which is West Texas, kind of between Odessa and our fields are between Odessa and New Mexico. One of the little niches that we fill out there is dealing with very sour oil and gas. So we've got the capabilities to develop those fields and process them and manage the hydrogen sulfide, which is a toxic poisonous gas, safely. Sure. H2S, yeah. So you have a lot of issues with that there. We do. We do. And we manage them every day. I'm very fortunate to have a committed operations group that recognizes and understands the risks associated with handling sour crude and gas and make sure that we were very disciplined in our operations. And so where's Battalion located? We're located in Houston on the Beltway. We were downtown for a long time, and about, I guess about two years ago, we moved out to the Loop to get a little bit more freedom and growth. Yeah. So is that where you are right now? now I happen to be today. My office is in Houston. My residence is in New Orleans, actually just south of New Orleans in a suburb called Belchase, Louisiana, which is about eight miles from downtown 
New Orleans, you know. Since I spent a significant amount of time in the field, and then we have a bit of a hybrid working schedule, I'm able to spend a lot of time in the family home down here in New Orleans. So you're a Louisiana boy? I am. I am. I was spent my formative years here and uh, been in Houston since 2004, I guess, been back and forth from there. But, you know, being from New Orleans, come from an oil and gas family. My dad was in the oil field, spent a significant amount of time in Houston, back and forth. So kind of a resident and uh, a native of both Houston and the New Orleans area. Well, I was going to say Walker's not exactly a Cajun name. Can you make gumbo? I can make a gumbo. I can make a jambalaya. So uh, <laughs> my dad's family is from the North Shore, Southwest Mississippi, and Louisiana, up in what we call the Florida parishes, up in that area. And they came down about 250 years ago and, and stayed there. And then my mom's family comes from the Spanish colonials that settled the New Orleans area way back when. Okay, let's go back to this Safety Professional of the Year Award. How did you achieve that? Or should I ask the question, tell me about battalion's main competencies and their program, their safety culture, or what? Well, I'll just give you a little bit of background about where I started, and then it'll kind of lead into what we've done at battalion, as well as what we've done through the ASSP. I've been in the safety and health environmental field for about 25 years. Started out as a kid, 16, 17 years old, as a, working summers and evenings in fabrication yards and ultimately refineries, and got to spend a lot of time with folks doing real work, you know, uh, sandblasting, painting, tank cleaning, operators, and whatnot. And as I got older, to be about 19, I joined the Air Force and through the Louisiana Air National Guard. That's really where I was exposed to a professional safety organization. I got some training that was really focused on education as opposed to just checking the box and getting people to work. As I came back into the workforce, there was a moment I was majoring in marketing and I was doing some painting work and I happened to be uh, reading what we call, what was then called the material safety data sheet. And this is a piece of paper that has all the information of the hazards and risks associated with using hazardous chemicals. And I was pretty surprised that the at the contents of this, this paper and the hazards associated with the chemicals I was working with. And really at that point, I made an effort to go and meet with the Dean of the Department of Agriculture at LSU and find out more about their safety professional program and ended up signing up and decided to make a profession of it and haven't looked back since. The HSE profession is I'm not going to call it unique, but it is interesting in that you get to see the entire organization. You get to operate with management, contractors, labor, training, spend a lot of time in the field, a lot of time in boardrooms. You get to see the strong leaders and the weak leaders and understand the risks associated with the people that are ultimately doing work to make the company successful. And I really love that about the HSE career field. So after doing it for 20 years, I started to feel like I needed to give back a little bit, if you will. I found an organization, really, it was after a pretty significant contractor injury, we elected at Battalion to adopt a standard orientation to make sure that all the contractors that were working on our assets had a basic fundamental 
understanding of the risks and the hazards of working in oil and gas. The organization was called SafeLand, and I decided to get involved with it and really dedicate a lot of time to making sure that it was an active organization that was really committed to providing fundamental safety education and not just checking the box. I mean, so many times when you have training programs for people to begin work, it's really a numbers game of just getting people through the class so they can get to work. The difference is SafeLand, I think, is really more focused on that education. They focus on people without oil and gas experience and making sure that they truly understand what they're getting ready to get themselves into. The program's been wildly successful. Now, who started this program? The origin of the program is about 15 years ago, a number of operators got together and they saw a lot of redundancy. So if you're a contractor, let's say you had a, a roustabout company and you were working for multiple orientation or multiple organizations, your employees might sit through five or six different safety training sessions, one for each operator that was largely telling people the same thing. And this was something simpler, similar to, this is when you wear a hard hat, this is when you wear gloves, this is what this sign means, this is what that sign means. And it was very expensive for the contractors to have that much downtime, but it was also expensive for the operators to put it on. A group of operators kind of volunteered to get together to make this program work. And it wasn't the first time this had been tried, but I think the difference in why the program became successful, and over 1.5 million people have been through this program since 2010. I think the success is that there is some diversity in the way that it is distributed. It's made of three what we call accrediting bodies, and these accrediting bodies build the programs out. So they actually take well, let me just go back. The SafeLand organization came up with a curriculum. This is what the material has to cover. And then these accrediting bodies put the meat on the bone, so to speak. They built all the content and then they distribute it. But they have one group that's focused on nonprofits. They have another group that's focused on for-profit commercial training and another group that's focused on an OSHA ed center perspective out of Appalachia. So each group has a niche and because it is a commercial program, I think that's been the big driver. To throw something out there that's free, I think is viewed as not having any value. But because it is a for-profit program, there's a lot of people interested in making it successful. And the people that are paying for it ensure that their students are engaged and participate because they're paying for it. And I think that's really been the key. It might be counterintuitive because a lot of people, yeah, myself included, that believe that this education should be out there in the common area free for everyone to use. But you find when things are free, they don't get adopted very well. No, you got to have some skin in the game. Got to, you know, and, and that's what this country is built on, right? We're built on a free enterprise system and supply and demand, making sure that we fill the needs of the market. And the market is such that employees that are going to work in hazardous work environments like oil and gas, they need to be educated and trained. SafeLand is the first step. That is the fundamentals. And then the companies, the individual contractors and operators have to fill in the gaps and build their full-on HSC management system. We've been very fortunate. Veriforce is an organization that focuses on contractor management as well as training. as a huge instructor network of about, I don't know, 2,500 instructors that focus primarily on oil and gas. So anybody that needs SafeLand can get it. 
We also have ETC out of Oklahoma that is providing this training to their member companies. And recently, West Virginia University Extension Service has become a safe land accrediting body. So I'm very proud of it. I think it serves a need. It's certainly something that we in the oil and gas business have benefited from extensively. So, And among all your other accomplishments, uh, you're a past chairman of that. I'm actually the current chairman. <laughs> oh, you're the current chairman. Okay. I have been past chairman. I am currently back. So you're in that both role. past and present then, huh? There's several of us that have put a lot of time and effort and blood, sweat, and tears into keeping the wheels on and making sure that everything goes well with this program. And it's a great team over there. I'm glad to be associated with them. So you guys had a significant SIF that led you to going out there and looking to repair the, uh, I guess, what would we say, repair the safety culture? Or Sure. So when I started at this company in 2012, the organization had just purchased a company out of Oklahoma. And within the first 30 days, they had an employee that was killed. And he was very senior employee. He was electrocuted. And they caught our leadership off guard because they had just purchased this organization. They didn't really understand what they had yet from a workforce and they were still doing the due diligence beyond, you know, the integration part of it. And so the CEO hired me and he looked at me, he said, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I want to do it different this time. And this can't happen again. And that started the journey at Battalion of building a fit for purpose HSE management system that is driven on practical implementation right? It's not about signs. It's not about contests. It's not about swag and putting posters up and giving things away. It's about truly understanding what our workers, both employees and contractors are doing and understanding what controls need to be in place to make sure that everybody goes home safe or not. You know, it's not an HSE success story. It's how we do business, right? It's our operations team. It's our engineering team. It's our supervision and our guys that are doing work. And if everybody doesn't pull their weight, then the program doesn't work. So it takes a lot of effort to keep everything going. And that's what we do in the HSE department is we're just the advisors and the coach at times and the accountability tool sometimes, right? Yeah. Yeah. There has to be accountability. That's for sure. Yeah. You have to, you have to be able to tell people what they don't want to hear sometimes. I can't be more proud of the organization. They've done a fantastic job. And like I said, we have hiccups. We're just like everybody else. And we have incidents and we learn from them. But the key is to really recognize that it's not us against them. This is the way we operate. And if we do these things and we do them together, we'll be successful ultimately. Yeah. And success means what you said a while ago. And it's the theme of this show, making sure everyone comes home safe. And that's the culture that you have to create. So you say there's ongoing challenges, so you can't ever say that you've completely arrived, can you? No. And I've been doing this a long time. And some of the things that we were trying to accomplish in 1995, I'm still trying to accomplish today, right? So there's always a new group of faces in that haven't been the benefit of all of our past learning. So to keep the institutional knowledge up, there's a lot of teaching and a lot of educating, you know, and you run the risk of being the dinosaur in the room that's always got something negative to say, you know, that's what we do. My job is to, you know, when we've got a 25-year-old engineer that's just getting into the business to make sure that they recognize that their decisions have impacts and ripples, you know, throughout the organization it, without being that guy, right? So it takes a little skill, a little finesse, you know, building up personal and technical credibility. 
to make sure that people get the message. Yeah. So any advice, something you may have learned the hard way you can help someone else avoid? I mean, I think there's, I could write a book probably. <laughs> maybe, maybe I will one day. Uh, okay. Well, when you do, we'll have you back on. Yeah. I think that from an EHS person's perspective, there's a couple of things that I would definitely recommend. Number one, get out in the field, get out in the field, meet the people, know the organization, know the work that's happening. And it can't be a dog and pony show where you just drive through one day and they put on a show for you. And then you go back to the ivory tower in Houston, get to be out there and really get to know the people at a personal level. And they need to get to know you. You have to build up trust. They have to be willing to tell you things in confidence that you need to react to. That's number one, be present, know your organization. Number two is know how to listen. I think you need to listen to both the guys in the field, but also the managers, the engineers, understand what their needs are, what are the needs of the business, why the decisions are being made that they're being made. You know, they have objectives that are sometimes critical and sometimes are flexible, right? So to really get where they're coming from, I think too many people in this HSE business are single-minded and they're focused on compliance or they're focused on what they need as opposed to really trying to understand what the needs of the organization and the needs of the individual leader or worker are before they start making decisions. Those are the top two. Know the people and listen to the people, I think are best advice I could give to someone. And then I guess one more thing is know your business. If you're going to be an environmental person or an industrial hygienist or a safety person, be the best in the business. Get in there, learn, never stop learning, take classes, read books, Get those certifications. Get those certifications. I mean, the certification is not the end in itself. The certification is the drive to get you to study. And the study should teach you what you don't know, not so much of what you do know. So when you come across a situation in the real world, you know where to go. Look it up. That's exactly right. Well, Bill, I really appreciate your insights. And I really appreciate you taking the time. And after you write your book, we'll have you on again. (laughs) In fact, what we might want to talk about... I mean, this is HSE, Health, Safety, and the Environment. And as I said, if you listen to the intro to our show, the theme is it's about everybody coming home safe. But we also talk about the environment a lot. We probably need a few more subjects on the topic of health. So maybe we'll have you back on another time and we'll talk about some of this industrial hygienist uh, aspect of it all. Talk about H2S or silica or any number of things. I'm ready to come back anytime. Love to share. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.